Episode 23 of Behind the Pros is sponsored by Scrivener. It's not your mama's word processing software. Mm, mm, mm. Go to literatureandlatte.com and enter the code PROS at checkout for your 20% discount on the greatest writing software ever. And if you didn't believe me before today, this interview will prove it. Well, if it isn't my favorite behind the proser, welcome to episode 23. I have got some great stuff for you today, mostly because I have a supersized interview with Gwen Hernandez, the author of Scrivener for Dummies. She's also the author of uh, two romance books. She's a mechanical engineer. She's smart. She's intelligent. She's funny. She's a good writer, and I'm excited to talk to her. And I talked to her a few weeks ago when I was in Connecticut, and I talked too long. So the interview is going to come to you in two parts. First part today, second half next week. And the reason is, one, because I'm trying to keep up with the transcriptions. And the longer I talk, the longer it takes to transcribe. And so I'm going to give you what I've done so far, and then next week... I'll give you the rest. Listen, this is a work of love, people, okay? Oh, before we get to Gwen, I wanted to tell you, I finished The Girl on the Train, and it was good. If you haven't listened to an audiobook, I would suggest that that is the one that you start with because the voiceover people, the the actors, they did an amazing job. I think it was probably, sounds like it was about three different women who read and um because you know you had megan rachel and anna and they did those voices they did the men's voices um if it was just one woman now that would mm, that's mm, now that i've said that (laughs) i have to look that up if it's just one woman she got all kind of skills because wow (laughs) but Check it out if you haven't listened to an audiobook. I think that'll be a nice, even though it's 10 hours, ease you into the audiobook world. On the check in this week, I'm at 10 in my submissions, my chunk. Um, I've got 10 more to go. I hit a little bit of a slow period last week because I'm working on an essay that is kicking my butt all up and down the street. And I had to, I I can't even, I've been working on it for like six days and it needs to like be done now because some, and the other thing is I don't really have a deadline for it. (laughs) So that's also part of the problem. I keep like, anyhow, so that's kind of been working my nerves. So I wanted to take a break and bring you this episode because I like talking to you and I like when you get to hear the things that writers say about how they approach their craft. And and this is an episode that features someone from the technical aspect of it, writing a process, a how-to book. And you know, the Four Dummies series is like huge. So I, it's truly an honor to talk to Gwen Hernandez, who actually was at the Writer's Digest conference in, um, in New York in the end of July. So, 
Oh, well, also, this was recorded when I was in Connecticut a few weeks ago, and I was recorded in the library. Shout out to Stratford Public Library. I see you. You know, they have the private rooms there where you can go in and, like, do a meeting and have an office or whatever. So I might sound a little muffled. It's because I was trying to be um, library-like. And uh, you might hear somebody talking about math or something in the background because the people in the next room were tutoring or something. But it's not too loud. But Gwen sounds amazing as usual. So I think you will enjoy it. Let me know what you think. And I'll see you on the other side. Here's Gwen Hernandez. Gwen Hernandez, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of Behind the Throws. Yeah, thank you for having me today. Um, I'm super excited to talk to you. You are the author of several books, um, one of which we're going to be focusing on today is Scrivener for Dummies. And um, I usually start with asking people um, how they, when did they know they wanted to be a writer? And I read on your blog that you, in seventh grade, I think around that time, you had written um, your first novel, and you say you use that term loosely, <laughs> but... Um, <laughs> I also believe I read somewhere, and I can't find it now, that you said that around a few years ago is when everything started to place. And if we look at the books that you published, it started in Scrivener was out in 2012. So I'm curious, can, can you explain, like, when you ramped up and just started putting out all this work? <laughs> sure. Um, yeah, I've always liked writing, um, but I never considered it as a career and then um, I quit my full-time job back in 2008 and kind of decided that if I was going to stay home but didn't want to be bored, that maybe now was a good time to try my hand at writing for real. And um, so I really kind of wasn't sure what type of writing I wanted to do. I was thinking more technical writing. Um, and then I actually found that romance was really where I wanted to be and um, just through sort of trial and error and some reading and things. Um, so in the course of, of writing um, romance and romantic suspense and just sort of learning the craft and that kind of thing, um, I had joined a, a writer's organization and one of the ladies there recommended Scrivener. And um, so I started using it and I started blogging about it and um so that's kind of how I got into the Scrivener side of things was I was using it for my romance and stuff. Um, so, you know, right around, I think, early 2009 is when I decided to seriously pursue writing romance. And I was, you know, writing and querying agents and editors and, and going to classes and conferences and all that kind of stuff. And um, but kind of. Along with that, I was also blogging about Scrivener and later teaching about Scrivener. And um, so the, the For Dummies people actually kind of found me when they were looking for um, a replacement to write a book they had already contracted. Um, and the original uh, writer had to drop out. And so they asked several of us to you know give a proposal, and they picked mine. So that's when I wrote my first book that got published, <laughs> but it wasn't at all what I originally had been in the direction I had originally been going. I still write romance and, and I have several of those out too, or two of those out, but um, yeah, it all it kind of 
came up very quickly. All of a sudden I had a, a book deal and a book due in like four months. <laughs> wow. In um, a kind of a whirlwind in a totally different, you know, area, but um but I have a well, technical background so and I enjoyed that. So. <laughs> yeah, you were an engineer, right? Yeah, manufacturing engineer. Wow. Um <laughs> There's so much that you just said in there. I don't know where to begin. So when you were blogging about Scrivener, had you made contact with the Scrivener people, a literature and latte, uh, at that time when you started blogging and teaching classes, or were you doing it independently? Um, initially, it was independently. It was more like I felt like I had to have a web presence. I wasn't published. I didn't know what to talk about, and. You know, so my friends were the ones who were following me, and we were all writers, and some of them were curious about features I had found on Scrivener. So it just gave me a, a topic, and then as I started digging into it more and just finding new cool features, I was sharing them. Um, and through that, I did eventually um, get to know the guys at Scrivener because they're very good about promoting people who promote them. So... Mm-hmm. Um, I had done this whole long series where like every week for about 10 weeks or so, I was showcasing a new feature in Scrivener. And um, David, who does most of the PR for them, was, you know, retweeting and, and putting you know, sharing on Facebook and thanking me and um, that kind of thing. And then, so I was kind of known to them and we had sort of, connected through social media but once I got the book deal um, Keith who's the programmer uh, at Literature and Latte who started it um, and the, you know the original Scrivener guy he still does all the programming for the Mac version he and um, some of his team were the subject matter experts for the book and so through that then I obviously developed an even tighter relationship with them um, on that level so hmm. now you know, I definitely would say we, it's not like we chat on a regular basis, but you know, we definitely communicate and um, have a working relationship, if you will. So it's interesting how something that you know became, I guess, I don't know if you would call it a passion when you started blogging about Scrivener, would you call it a passion or was it just something you were interested in? That's you know that's funny. I was just thinking about this literally yesterday, that um, that I think when we follow our passion, we're much more likely to meet the luck that makes something really cool happen. And um, I do think it kind of became a passion because I tend to I tend to love things that uh, make my life easier that are really slick and especially technology. And um, I have you know. Throughout my life as a programmer and a manufacturing engineer, and even I used to also be a an instructor for like business colleges and stuff um, on the software side. So I have this long history of writing technical documentation, you know, both for my own jobs or for my students and things like that. And um, it was just a natural way for me to take something I was really excited about and share it with people because I already had the skills to do that, I guess. And um, so, yeah, I think it 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 is pretty much a passion. I'm I've been doing it <laughs> since 2010, and I don't get tired of it. I I still love teaching. Mm. I love doing workshops. Um, I teach six classes online a year, and do workshops probably about 
anywhere from eight to ten workshops a year in person. Um, and then I, I'm pretty active in a lot of the online forums about Scrivener. Uh, well, I shouldn't say a lot of them, but specifically like Facebook and um, a little bit on the Google forum and, you know, talk to people about it a lot. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoy it. I, I love that line you said. I'm going to have to pull it out and put it in the beginning of the show about uh, when we follow our passions, we meet the luck. You said something that makes our dreams possible or something that was really great that you said. <laughs> so uh, that was really Thank awesome. Um, and so what do you think What do you think pushed your proposal over the edge when the Scrivener people, um, when the Four Dummies people contacted you? Like when they contacted you, what did they ask you to to pitch to them? Okay, that's a great question. I actually get that quite a bit. Um, when So it's funny the way they did it. They basically went out on Twitter and said, who are the Scrivener experts? And they got all these names. And then I'm not sure how many of us they sent uh, requests to, but um, I basically got an email from an acquisitions editor and had to look it up to make sure it wasn't a hoax. <laughs> he was real. And um, so it was just—it was just totally out of the blue. This email, like, "Hey, you want to submit a proposal to write a book?" I'm like, "Yeah, right." Banging my head against the wall, trying to get an agent or editor to notice me, you know, with my fiction. This doesn't happen. So, um, but they wanted a full proposal, like, like what you would submit if you were, uh, you know, querying them blind, I guess. Um, so, you know, the whole uh, – they kind of gave me an idea of, of what they were looking for, like a sample. But it's it's the whole thing where you talk about the market for the book and what what makes what makes you unique from others and just like the whole, like, uh, you know, if you look up a typical nonfiction proposal, it had all those elements as well as a complete outline for what I thought should be in the book, you know, by chapter. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> wow. No, you know, I I felt like I had no idea, but um, I had about three days to turn it around. So I spent the entire weekend just, it was crazy. Um, I spent the whole weekend just going through, at this point I had been teaching classes for about a year online. And so I did actually have a pretty good idea of sort of what I felt were the main topics that should be covered and, and kind of in what order. And um, so I was, I think that, that was partly probably what gave me an edge, although I really have no idea what other people submitted. Um, but, you know, I because I had something to work from already, I could be fairly detailed in my outline. And I also had a platform already. You know, I had students. I had a lot of support from the guys at Literature and Latte. And I could say, here's what I've been seeing as a trend. You know, when I first started teaching, this is how many students I got here's how many students I'm getting now. I'm starting to teach classes specifically for Windows, you know, separate from Macs. I had started teaching them both together. And this is, these are the kind of numbers I'm getting. So I think it helps me to, to kind of have that platform already, but also just to, just to be able to provide a very detailed outline and show that I you know, knew what I was talking about. Mm. Um, I, I, I'm sure people who are listening now are on the floor when they heard you say you had to do it in three days. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that was a little stressful. Well, I I wasn't as worried about all the marketing and stuff like that because they had already decided they were going to 
published the book. So he's like, do it so that we know that you understand what you're getting into, but don't worry as much about that. The outline was like the key thing. Okay. But yeah, it was so it that, was kind of like nonfiction proposal. What's that? <laughs> <laughs> that was one of my next questions about the marketing uh, part of the proposal, which I feel like I don't know put myself in this, I think maybe many writers look at that part of it, like, what, <laughs> where do I get these numbers, and from where, where? I was going to ask you how you tackled that aspect of it in, in three days. Yeah, um, you know, if I'd had a little more time, I might have been able to, or, you know, even a more confident relationship with the literature and latte guys at that time, I probably could have gotten some information from them. Um but what I did is I kind of just went and looked at, you know, how big is their following on Facebook? How big is their following on Twitter? Um, how, uh, I'm trying to think what else. Oh, I looked at, you know, what other books were out there that would be competition, which at the time were very few. And I don't think any of them were um, professional. Yeah, I hate, okay. Traditionally published. Mm-hmm. I mean, my my fiction is self-published, and I, I actually really like it that way. But, um, you know, at the time there was like maybe one or two other books, and they were both self-published, and they were short um, and with very mm-hmm. specific, um, you know, like writing a novel and Scrivener, I think that's what it's called, by David Hewson. It's off the top of my head. But, um, you know, that was very specific to that niche, and and it was fairly short. And, you know, I'm doing a 400-page book, so it's in competition, but a lot of people end up buying both because they like his thing because specifically writing a novel. But then, you know, my book is a big reference book for all the major functions. So um, so at the time, there was very little competition, which was great. Um, you know, so I just kind of looked at those things and sort of just did the best I could with the information and time that I had and and then focused most of my energy on just writing a kick-ass outline that was very well fleshed out. And, I mean, I had to tell them how many pages I thought each chapter would be. And I thought, I don't know. I have no idea. So I was just, like, kind of guessing and making sure it all added up to, like, 408, you know. It just – it was – it felt very um, – yeah, I really felt like I had no idea what I was doing, and they're going to look at me and think, ah, oh, he has no clue. But I I think just making the effort says a lot, especially when they know they've only given you a few days. So it, it works. <laughs> if I were doing, I, mean, you know, I were approaching them, I would put quite a bit more time into it. <laughs> you might still be working on it. <laughs> yeah, really. <laughs> I know I would. Um, and, I mean, I think that's great. I think they say, you know, deadlines are a writer's friend. So, yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, and so, I mean, congratulations for that because to get your first book deal, you know, and to be the author of a Four Dummies book, which the series is massive, um, mm-hmm. massive, a massive brand. What did that right. feel like to you? Oh my God, it was amazing. Um, it didn't feel real for quite a while, <laughs> and um, sometimes still doesn't. So I'm getting used to it. You know, it it was actually it came at a really nice time in my life because writing romance, like I had about nine months before, I had 
finaled in a major award for my um, romantic suspense, one of my novels, and um, was really beating my head against the wall trying to get notice. I mean, I got tons of great feedback, but nobody was publishing that genre at that time with new authors. It was all just, you know, uh, historical romance was hot, contemporary was hot, and paranormal, but not romantic suspense, you know, things like that. And so then to have this kind of come along, it just was a real boost in my confidence and kind of, um, I think it also helped with, with my family and some of my non-writing friends just like oh she is legit she's actually a writer and now look at her she's published and um mm-hmm. you know even though I don't feel like I should need that I I won't lie I mean it definitely it definitely helped and it it felt really good so it was nice to be getting paid for writing too for the first time so um, you know mm. I think that, that that what you speak to a lot of writers probably still do have that uh, need for um, validation. Um, and, and, I mean, that's what the publishing industry is really built on, the way, you know, it's designed. You send something out to someone and somebody's going to like it and publish it, that's the validation, you know? Right. Exactly. So, um, and you said something that I we're going to talk about, your fiction um, that you have self-published a little bit later, but I want to stick with the uh, for dummies right now. Scrivener's for dummies. Sure. So you got the got the book, got the um, you got the contract, and then you said your book had to be done in four months. Yeah. Was that? Um, I think it actually might have been. Let's see. I got the contract in February. You know, it was finalized and everything late February. The whole book was due end of May. So really, I guess like three months. <laughs> um, wow. So, yeah, that was a bit daunting. Um, luckily, this was now my full-time job. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, the the first quarter of the book was the hardest because I, I was sort of starting, you know, a little behind on my timeline and sort of figuring out my process and, um, you know, getting to know my editor and everything. And we but the way it works is you basically you just turn in each chapter as you finish it and um and then I just had deadlines like for each quarter of the book. So I actually mm-hmm. I was telling um David from Literature and Latte that there's no way that I could have that I feel like I could have managed to write the book without using Scrivener to do it just because it helped me stay on track, um, keep my schedule and, you know, sort of color code everything to to show that it was scheduled and, <laughs> you know, where I was mm-hmm. within the revision or writing or revisions and that kind of thing. Um, so mm-hmm. that helped a lot, sort of like project project management. One of the things that um, I noticed immediately is that um, you seem to capture the four dummies voice really well. And, you know, if you've read Four Dummies book before, you know, it's kind of smirky, kind of funny, kind of, oh, you should know this. Maybe you don't, like, you know, it's kind of snippy but humorous, right? And mm-hmm. you have uh, captured that voice. And I looked at, you know, some of your blog posts, and you, it, it seems that this is also probably, probably a part of your style, too, because you do your humorous as well. So I wondered um how you captured the four dummies voice, did you have to really concentrate on it? Was that a discussion with the editor, et cetera? You know, it, it turns out I think I'm just a really good match uh, because I have a 
somewhat dry sense of humor. Um, and I had been writing my classes that way already. And, uh, you know, my, because my classes online feature written lectures with other support and things like that. But um, I think I just have this tendency want to want to take something that as soon as it starts feeling a little too dry, <laughs> you know, to spice it up mm-hmm. a little bit and, um, and never take anything too, too terribly seriously. So, I mean, you know, I guess more irreverent approach to things. Not that I can't be mm-hmm. <laughs> serious, but um, yeah. And I think I just, it just worked out. I think that I was a pretty good fit and they had me do like a test chapter and um, chapter four was my test chapter. And so I wrote that one first and sent it in and um, the editor and I think also the project editor both looked at it and kind of just went through and so I could get a feel for what kinds of feedback I would be getting from them. And, um, but then she said, I think, you know, the, the tone you have here works really well. And so just, you know, keep with that. So I just kind of, um, just let loose. And if I ever went too far with, you know, <laughs> I don't know, I had some analogy like building a house or something. And I think I, I had to take out a whole extra paragraph. My editor's like, okay, we don't need that much. Let's just get back to teaching. <laughs> you know, but, but, um, you know, so she arranged me in a few times, but for the most part, they just kind of let me um, have fun with it. Cause that's what they wanted because that's kind of what people look for in the, the dummies line. Mm-hmm. And what other types of feedback did they give you um, on that sample chapter to kind of show you what, what the process would be like with them? Um, oh, that's a good question. I can't remember specifics, but it was it was mostly just things about you know how sort of like clarity, you know, what kind of level of clarity, how deep do I need to drill down when I'm writing the step-by-step process aspect of it. And then um, just sort of learning some of the fundamentals of the way they write a book. So my approach when I teach a class is it is to start with, uh, you know, I have you create a file and then we just build on it with every lesson. So I'm walking you through the creation of a project from start to finish where the dummies book has to work more like a reference in chapter six, um, and I'm talking about, I don't remember what chapter six is, but I'm talking about, you know, annotations or something like that. And I mention the binder and you don't know what the binder is. I'm going to have some reference in there like for more on the binder, go to chapter one, you know, so everything is written like that where I'm, I'm, I can't assume that you know what I'm talking about, even though we're on chapter eight, nine or 12, whatever. So it was a little bit of a different approach. So it was more of that just kind of making sure I understood how they wanted the chapters to work, how they, how they wanted me to handle the reader and um, sort of the approach to the book and, um, uh, and then just watching for certain things like uh, you don't want to say, so as you can see or something like that, you, <laughs> it's just, there's uh-huh. just all these little guidelines and things they have. Um, so but it, I don't think it was, I don't think I had, too many, you know, big changes for chapter four. It was it was mostly just kind of a quick check to make sure I was on the right track, and then and then we just went through chapter by chapter um, uh-huh. for uh, revisions. What was the most 
challenging part of writing the four dummies, Scrivener for Dummies book? Hmm. Probably just uh, the timeline for me. And, well, <laughs> and specifically, it was specific to the book, it would be the compiling chapters. Um, the you know, compiling is how you export your work um, from Scrivener into whatever format you want, like Word document, EPUB, uh, Kindle Mobi, whatever. And um, it's probably one of the more complex aspects of Scrivener for people. And I really struggled with what kind of approach to take in order to cover such a huge topic um, in the user manual at the time, it was like 90 pages. I think now it's over 100 something. Um, and I had I had originally written like I wanted to write like a 70 page chapter. They're like, no, no, you can't do that. that's way too long. So I had to break it into two. And so I was like, okay, well, wait, how do I break this into two? And so I just I think I started writing um, chapter 12, and I was like half. You know, I had allotted like. I had like a week or something, um, and I was like halfway into my week, and I decided this isn't going to work. And I had to start over completely with how I was going to approach it. And you know, I I always wonder like, did I pick the right way? I don't know. And I have all sorts of ideas for, um, you know, how I would do it again. <laughs> but I, you know, I just that that was a real struggle for me, and it. It's still it's still a topic that is um probably the the toughest one for me to to get across. Uh, you know, I'd spend a whole week teaching it online and and I still don't cover everything. <laughs> mm. That was definitely probably the biggest challenge other than, you know, getting it done in such a short period of time was was that particular um section. That is interesting you say that that was the one of the most challenging parts um, because that's been a, that's one of my go-to sections. And I didn't know until reading, um, you know, through your book that you could type and you can compose in any font, any color, any size, right, that you want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you do Helvetica Green, like you said, 16 points. Um, but then when you ex- compile it and export it to a Word document or whatever, it is whatever you set it to be, um, and I didn't, I didn't realize that. I said that's really cool. Um, so the compile option for me also is the most challenging. But um, the chapter, you know, really takes you through. So that that was key for me. Well, good. <laughs> yeah, I think mm. that's probably. If I had to ask people, what's the number one reason you bought the book? You know, that would probably be pretty high up there. I haven't ever done that, but um, you know. I'm sure I know that you know that's still where I get so many questions. Um, mm-hmm. For a long time, that was probably my number one hit on my website. And I don't even have a very detailed compile blog post because how do you cover compile in a blog post? But I had I had written one that was, you know, kind of just highlighting a few key things, and that probably for a year was my number one hit. So. Mm. Now it's uh, adding images. <laughs> Which you can also do in the notes section I learned from reading. I didn't know that. You could put it in the adding <laughs> images in the synopsis. I think this is such a uh, powerful software 
I, and yeah. I think that's great that you have, you know, this board dummies book out there because, um, you know, it just puts everything right at your fingertips. Thank you. That brings us to the end of episode 23, part one, Gwen Hernandez. Make sure that you are subscribed on iTunes, that you're following the website because I will be releasing her next part, um, ideally next week, just as soon as I can finish the transcript. Because we gotta be ADA compliant, right? You know, we gotta, gotta do this stuff for the people. So bear with me. In the meantime, make sure that you are signed up on BehindThePros.com to get my emails because I have an idea that I think is really cool, but I'm only going to tell it to the people who are on the email list. So you want that to be you. Go to BehindThePros.com and look on the right-hand side to sign up for the email newsletter. Oh, one more thing. I've started a Pinterest account. I know, it's like 20 years later, right? Pinterest was the thing. But um, I've started it and I have a public board called Call for Submissions. Not promising this to be an extensive board of anything, but it's a random board of stuff that I find on Twitter that I think is cool. Um, So you can look me up uh, and follow me on that board. I will put the link to that in the show notes. Thanks for rocking with me another week. Behind the Pearls music is by UK artist Redverse West Boyle. You can find him on SoundCloud. The show is hosted and produced by me, Keisha Whitaker, from an as-is IKEA desk in the living room of a Pennsylvania apartment. Until next time, you better listen, you better learn, and you better write.